And I was just having a look. I haven't preached for about five weeks here, so I'm really looking forward to sharing God's Word with you this morning. And I trust it will encourage you, and I trust that it will refresh you. And I am going to continue just uh, with Galatians. We've got a couple more um, weeks in Galatians. So for my remainder of this year, I'm going to preach out of the last two chapters of Galatians. And... um, and then we'll have our traditional run-up to Christmas, which is always great fun. But uh, we're going to look at Galatians 5, verse 16 today. Um, and this is a wonderful, wonderful portion where Paul starts talking in very practical ways about how we should live. And I love this book because for four, five chapters, Paul has spent great energy and time and detail trying to get us to understand what God has done for us. I love that. He spends most of this book talking about what God has done for us before he ever says what we should do. (laughs) And I love that. I think that's how the gospel should be. We should be focusing on what God has done for us, on Jesus, on the cross, on salvation, on his grace. And then when we have to, we talk about what we should do. Yeah? Much of the church, unfortunately, is the other way around. Much of the church speaks about what we should do and our responsibility and our need for moral living and all this kind of stuff. And what that does over a period of time, it just puts bondage on people and they end up thinking that Christianity is really just a system of rules that we need to follow to live a good life. And if you've been in this church for any um, length of time, you will know that I'm trying to undo that in our thinking. (laughs) to get us to understand if we just love Jesus passionately with all of our hearts and are passionate about Him and His kingdom and what He's done for us, good behavior automatically follows out of that kind of heart. That we don't have to major on good behavior. When you love Jesus passionately with all of your heart, good things are going to flow out of your life. It's the other way around. right? And so here, I'd like to look in the next two weeks at what Paul talks about the flesh and he talks about walking by the Spirit. And we're going to look at those things in detail the next couple of weeks. But let's just read these two verses, these couple of verses, verse 16 to verse 21. He says this, I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. But, if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident, they are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. Long list. He says those things are obvious. I warn you, as I warned before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. Ah, that's very interesting. What does that mean? We're going to look at that. But the fruit of the Spirit, yes please, the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passion and its desires. If we live by the Spirit, 
Let us keep in step with the Spirit. Amen. We should say amen to this passage. This is absolutely wonderful, life-giving word. So, Father, I pray that you'd help me just to communicate well this morning and that you'd set us free in, increasingly on the inside of ourselves, that we would live and walk by your Spirit, and in so doing, that we would be a light to the world, that we'd bring joy to people, that we'd bring freedom to people, and that they would know your kindness through our lives. And I pray that in the precious name of Jesus. Amen. So hopefully by now you will have uh, seen that what Paul is doing in this book, and repeatedly going over and over to try and get it into our heads. Remember I said to you, Martin Luther said, beat the gospel into your own head every day, and then try and beat it into other people's lives. But get it into your own head before to try and get it into anyone else's life. And so yeah, Paul is doing that. He's done four chapters of repeatedly telling us that we're free from the law, that we don't have to live culturally in any way, uh, that the gospel has set us free completely, and that Jesus has done all that is needed. All we need to do is believe um, by faith in what Jesus has done. And so every Christian, if you're a Christian here this morning, every Christian has been set free from the rule of law that Moses introduced uh, when he came down from Mount Sinai with those tablets of stone. And Paul has spent all this energy trying to get us to understand that. And at the same time, as he's trying to make that clear for us, he's also gone with great pains to show us that that doesn't mean that we are removed from showing any kind of leadership in our own lives, in how we live, and leadership to others in in an example um, that we set, so that we we don't live selfishly, we don't live uh, self-indulgently, we don't live wickedly. Remember I said Galatians 5, Paul said, there's amazing freedom that you have. You don't use that to live selfishly and just do what you want to do with your freedom. No, you live with freedom to serve others. That's why God has set you free. Not so that you can be selfish, but that you can live for others. And Paul, that's what he says in in, in Galatians 5, and we looked at that in great detail. And so, in a sense, what he's talking about in this portion, he's showing another angle of what it means to live for others. And so I'm going to give you four things very simple things this morning that I hope will encourage you. And the first is, in the first verse he says that every Christian is called to walk by the Spirit. And you've heard that many times. Walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desire of your flesh. And so that's the primary call that we have as Christians once we know Jesus, once He set us free, is that we learn to hear the voice of His Spirit so that we can walk by the Spirit. And... um, Paul takes it for granted that when we are saved, we receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit and that the Holy Spirit is exercising leadership in our lives and He is helping us to hear His voice. And I would ask you this morning, all of you would know the voice of the Spirit in your lives. If you know Jesus, you will know the prompting, the nudging of the Holy Spirit in your life. And that's what we have to learn to trust more and more as we walk with Christ. There's just something inside of us that is the Holy Spirit that when you are faced with a difficult situation or choice, you know, as God is speaking to you on the inside, you know the small voice of God that nudges you either one way or the other. Yeah? That's what Paul's talking about. He's saying, when we get saved, we receive the Holy Spirit, and He helps lead us from the inside as He speaks to us and we hear His voice. And um, He also talks at the same time about the flesh. And that's why we're going to look at... um, what the flesh means. It has a different, different meanings, uh, different parts of the New Testament. But what, 
what it means here as we refer to Galatians, it's that part of our personality in which we feel prompted to sin. That's what Paul is calling the flesh. That part of us that is prompted toward sin. And we all have promptings in our lives, don't we? Uh, on the one side, there's the, the leading of the Holy Spirit, and His voice encourages us and says, Come, my son, my daughter, live for God's glory, live in this way. And there's something inside of us that says, Yes, I want to live like that. Yeah, you all know, you know that prompting, yeah? And then, Paul says, secondly, that there's a fight on our hands. Every Christian has a fight of faith. And he says in the second verse, he says, For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. These are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. In other words, there's a triangle in our lives. And I'd like um, two other very strong gentlemen. Who wants to volunteer just to come hold my, my hands? Please, quickly. Two. Thanks, Tim. One. And there's someone else. Clive, thank you. All right. Okay, so this is a very, very simple illustration. This is the real you, the person that you want to be, the person that's been born again on the inside. I represent that. Tim represents the flesh, all right? So can you grab my hands, or we can hold like this? Yep. And Clive represents the Holy Spirit. Okay, all right. So, we all live our lives. Can you guys pull, please, in opposite directions? And this is the tension that we live in all the time. Isn't it true? We have the flesh on the one hand trying to pull us this way, and we have the other, on the other side, we have the Holy Spirit who's trying to say, no, 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 don't go that way. I want you to go this way. And so we have to live in this tension all the time. It's a very simple illustration. It's a very powerful illustration. That's Paul, what Paul is saying. When we live as Christians, we live with this tension all the time between the pull of the Spirit and the pull of the flesh. And every decision that you make is either giving in to the Holy Spirit's will for your life or the flesh. And so we have to learn to live. Thank you, guys. I feel like... <laughs> Thank you. We have to live with this tension. And it is a battle. It's a battle all the time for every Christian, the flesh pulling us one way, the Holy Spirit pulling us the other, and the flesh... Once you to stop the real you, wants the real you to stop doing the things that you really want to do. Yeah? That part of you on the inside that knows God, that loves Him. The flesh will do all that it can to get you to stop doing the, those things that you really want to do. And so in this sense, we are never sinlessly perfect on this side of heaven. There are some Christians that teach because Jesus took all of our sin upon uh, himself on the cross, that we don't sin now. That's called sinless perfection. That is, that is not correct, and I would point specifically to this portion of the Bible to illustrate that, because Paul says there's a war in, on the inside of us, and we are not sinlessly perfect. We are pulled this way and that all the time with these desires that rage inside of us, and we have to learn to walk by the Spirit so that we do do what we want to do. And so the reality is, if you're born again, if you know Jesus here this morning, you know that you're never happy in sin, are you? Because the Holy Spirit is always drawing you, always pulling you, always saying, come and um, walk closer with me. And so there's this fight that goes on that never ends until we get to heaven. And the Spirit draws us. The Spirit draws us into love, into faith, into purity, into a single-minded devotion and love for God and His kingdom. 
He's always calling us, he's encouraging us, he's saying, come and walk with me more closely, and he's longing for obedience from us. That's what the Spirit always wants in our lives. And so I don't know about you, but sometimes in my life, I find the struggle difficult, and there can be a sense that you start to feel condemned because you're having the struggle. And that's why I love the gospel, because once again, there is a temptation that we face to feel condemned when we are having these battles that rage inside of us. And uh, maybe like me, you've prayed and said, God, just take me to heaven. I don't want to have this kind of fight anymore. I just want to get out of here. Have you ever prayed that? I just want to be with you, Jesus. This is too difficult. But Paul brilliantly, in one little verse, he addresses that again. Just as he's told us that there's this fight that rages inside of us, he's aware it might make us feel condemned. And so then he says in the next verse, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. He just reminds you once again, when you start to feel condemned because there's this battle raging inside of you, remind yourself, I'm not under the law, I'm under the grace of God. His kindness is available to me right now, and therefore there's no condemnation for me. I'm learning to do that more and more in my life. Because sometimes it can get to you. Sometimes when I lose my temper again, and I feel terrible, I have to release myself and say, and again, you made a mistake, but there's no condemnation for you. That's living free. Is that what the scripture says? There's no condemnation for us who are in Christ Jesus. So the, the, the question, fourthly, so first of all, there's, um, we call to walk by the Spirit, not by the flesh. Secondly, there's this fight of faith that we all have to be involved in. Thirdly, we, when we feel condemned, we can remind ourselves again that of the grace of God. And fourthly, we need to ask this question. Well, what side will win? The flesh or the Holy Spirit? If you ask me that question this morning, I would answer you in the following way. The side that will win is the side that you give in to. Quite simply. The side that will win is the side that you give in to. The Holy Spirit enables you to say no to what is ungodly. The grace of God is available to all of us to say no to the things that we know we need to say no to. But we have to do the resisting, and this is where it uh, is our responsibility. We can't throw off our responsibility and say, oh, it's my parents' fault. You know, if I'd grown up in a happy family, I wouldn't be like this. I'll be a much stronger person if it wasn't for my parents. No, it's, it's my fault. I've got to take responsibility for my life. There's a sense of God saves us out of our past and gives us a whole new future. And it is true, we are shaped with, of, uh, with some things that come from our past. But the grace of God is always there to take us forward into the new things that God has for us. And those things do not have to anchor us and um, hold us back. And so Paul says quite clearly that we are to do the resisting. And this is where I cannot resist for you. <laughs> you have to resist in your own life. Where there are struggles for you in whatever area it is, you have to resist. And Paul says for all of us, we have to mortify, that's put to death, the flesh. We have to actively stand against the flesh. We can't give in. If we start giving in, that's the direction of our lives that we're going to move into. And so... Um, when we start to learn to do this, there's an energy that comes. There's a vitality that comes. There's a spiritual energy that comes into our lives when we start to learn to hear the voice of the Spirit and allow ourselves to be drawn in the direction that He is taking us. Amen? 
And so, how do we know then what the sins of the flesh are if we are not under the law? Well, Paul very clearly gives the answer. He says it's obvious what the sins of the flesh are. And he names them. Sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, etc., etc. He says it's obvious. He's saying you don't have to be a brain surgeon to know what the, what the sins of the flesh are. They are obvious to you. And so I would put it to you like this. Do you need the Ten Commandments to tell you when you are being immoral? No, you don't. It's obvious. Paul, I'll give you an example in the Old Testament, before the law. When Joseph was facing temptation from Potiphar's wife, he didn't even have the law yet, all right? Did he know it was right or it was wrong? He knew it was wrong. <laughs> he didn't need the law of Moses. He knew it was wrong. This woman was trying to seduce him. And so what did he do? He fled. He got out of there. And she pulled his robe and, left, and he left it behind. You don't need the law of Moses to tell you what is right and wrong. Paul says, it's obvious what is right and what is wrong. Why? Because the voice of the Holy Spirit is inside of you and he lets you know what is right and what is wrong. And so... The Holy Spirit will convict you when you are flirting with sin. When you're showing anger or ill will towards someone else. You will feel bad when you get into strife with your friends. Or when you show jealousy. You will feel uneasy when you lose your temper. Why? Because the works of the flesh are obvious, says Paul. And the Holy Spirit on the inside of you just lets you know when you've blown it <laughs> in an obvious way. And now we get to the most important point of what Paul is saying as he talks about this battle between the flesh and the spirit in our lives. He says this, I warn you, as I warned you before, those of you that do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And now we need to think very carefully about what Paul is saying here. And there are a number of possibilities. I'm going to give you four. First, is, when Paul says that we will not inherit the kingdom of God, is he saying that we're going to lose our salvation if we behave like that? It's a good question to ask. Is he saying that actually you're going to lose your salvation? Well, I don't think he is saying that. So why do I say that? Well, he spent four chapters telling us about how we've died to the law telling us about how there's no condemnation for us, telling us all that God has done for us, why would he suddenly change and say, well, that's now all nullified if you behave badly? No, it doesn't make any kind of sense whatsoever. It's a nonsense. He's, he's not saying that. He's saying we have died to the law. He's saying uh, we, there's no condemnation for us. He spent chapters and chapters saying that. When he says we will not inherit the kingdom of God, he doesn't mean that. What does he mean? Well, secondly... He could be saying that if you commit those kind of sins, there's no forgiveness for you. Those are just too hard for God to forgive you of those kind of things. Well, I don't think he's saying that either. Why? Because Jesus made it quite clear. He said, all sin, every blasphemy of men and women will be forgiven them. That's what Jesus said. That's the basis of, of our salvation. Whatever we have done, how, how horrible it might be, we are forgiven because of the blood of Jesus. I've said this before, I want to say it again. You know, Saul, before he knew Jesus, he could have been called Saul of Isis. 
We could have called him Saul of Isis, not Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Isis. That's how he lived. He lived going around killing people who did not agree with him. And that's why he understands the grace of God so amazingly. <laughs> so Saul of Isis becomes Paul, the founder of many churches in the, in the, in, in the early years of the church. Why? Because he has this radical experience of the grace of God. And so he, he, I don't think Paul is saying either that if we commit those sins, we lose our salvation. If we commit those sins, there's no forgiveness for us because Jesus said, no, everything, every blasphemy will be forgiven you if you believe on me. Is Paul saying, thirdly, if you continue in that kind of sin, there's no forgiveness for you? Well, I've heard people teach that, say that actually if you keep on sinning, you lose your salvation. God, and I don't think that's uh, what Paul is saying here. And normally when people preach that, what they really are talking about is what they see as the most, uh, most uh, deviant sins, the, the kind of worst sins. And so they'll include in that sexual immorality, idolatry, perhaps the occult, witchcraft. And they say, those are the really serious things. If you do that stuff, you deserve the fires of hell. There's no forgiveness for you if you get involved in that stuff. Do you notice when you read the portion, <laughs> do you notice there's just a comma that Paul puts he goes, sexual immorality, comma, impurity, comma, sensuality, comma, adultery, sorcery, enmity, strife, oh, strife, comma, jealousy. There's no, like, hierarchy. Jealousy, right next door to strife, right next door to enmity, right next door to adultery. Fits of anger, comma, rivalry, comma, dissension, comma, division, envy, drunkenness, etc., etc. For Paul, there's no hierarchy of sin. <laughs> How many of us have been jealous? How many of us have shown anger towards other people? Paul is saying they're all the same thing. There's no, there's no hierarchy. So people would say, you know, there's some kind of level of sin and that if we get involved in the really bad sins, then we are not forgiven. But, you know, jealousy and stuff is not so bad. Well, no, Paul doesn't see it like that. He just sees this one thing, sin. And so I don't think Paul is saying that either. And I would, I would say to you also, uh, if you would say, if we continue in sin, how many times makes it continuing? <laughs> is it once, twice, ten times, fifty times, a hundred times? How do you know what con how much continuing is? <laughs> no, it seems a nonsense to me. I can also point to you quite easily in my experience of church leadership, Christian leaders some well-known, some less well-known, both in the past and some even in the present, who seem quite happy to sow division, quite happy to cause dissension, quite happy to give in to jealousy. These are Christian leaders. <laughs> I don't think Paul is saying that at all. The same thing he says about sexual sin and witchcraft, he says about jealousy, anger, division, all those things. And this is what I think Paul is saying. Fourthly, Paul is talking about this life right now. If you do those things, you will not enjoy the fullness of God's kingdom in your life right now. That's what he's saying. Chapter 5 and chapter 6, he's been speaking about this life. I put it to you like this. If you sow to jealousy and fits of anger in your life, what is going to suffer in your life right now? 
your relationships with other people, they're going to suffer. And you will not experience righteousness, peace, and joy of the Holy Spirit right now as a sign of God's kingdom in your life with other people because you'll always be fighting with people. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Right now. We have been called to freedom right now in our lives. We have freedom right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. And if we rely on anything else, we block the benefits of Jesus and His Holy Spirit in our lives. And so that's why Paul, as already said in chapter 5, don't use your freedom for self-indulgence. Don't use your freedom just to live selfishly because that's going to have a consequence for you. And the consequence for you is that you're not going to inherit the fullness of God's kingdom in your life right now. Of course you're going to heaven. Of course you'll be saved. Of course there'll be an inheritance for you. But the fullness of your inheritance right now you will not enjoy. And what is the fullness of the kingdom? Right now. Righteousness, peace, and joy by the Holy Spirit. And that's what Paul is trying to get us to enjoy. If you give in to those things, Paul is saying, you will feel immediately the effect in your life and you will experience God's kingdom to a less, less and lesser degree if you give in to those things. If you sow to the flesh and you give in to anger and jealousy, everything relationally will suffer in your life. And I'll look at that next week because he has a couple of categories that he, um, he explains to us. And so there's this thing of the present tense of the kingdom right now by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you all know, when you give in to jealousy or when you give in to anger or if you, you, whatever, that sense of being right with God, you lose it, don't you? That sense of joy, you lose your joy. You lose your peace. And I, I, God wants us to know joy and power by the Holy Spirit. He wants us to know righteousness right now. He wants us to know um, the peace of God that passes understanding. And when we get all introverted and we're not feeling joy and we're not feeling the peace of God because there's some fleshly things happening in our lives, what happens? We start to feel dry spiritually and then we end up in this position of saying, oh, I can't do anything for God because I'm, I'm useless. I'm just dry. I, I don't feel His presence. So, so, you hear what I'm saying? It really does matter what we aim at. It really does matter how we live right now. What we sow, there's a real sense that we do reap what we sow. And I believe passionately in the grace of God. But I'm just saying, if you constantly, over a period of time, are sowing to anger, are sowing to jealousy, are sowing to division in your life, that's what you're going to reap. Your relationships are going to be fraught with that kind of stuff. Isn't it? But if we sow to the Spirit, love, joy, peace, kindness, self-control, that's what we reap in our relationships with each other. That's what Paul is saying. And he's saying, when you experience that, you are experiencing the fullness of the kingdom of God right that moment in your life. How many of you want your relationships just to be beautiful, happy, joyful, peaceful, kind things? Anyone? Yes, we all do. Of course we do. So what do we do? We don't beat ourselves up. We learn to walk in freedom. We learn to say, Jesus, I thank you that you've set me free. I know I'm not perfect. There's still a wall that goes inside of me because I won't be perfect until I get to heaven. I understand that. But Jesus, please help me to hear the voice of your Spirit in my life. In this relationship, help me to sow peace and love and joy. 
In my, in my relationship with my kids, help me to sow love, peace, and joy. In, in my relationship with my wife, I want to sow to that, Lord, because I want to reap that in this relationship. I don't want to fight with people anymore. You know, the older I get, I don't want to fight with anyone anymore. I've had enough fighting for the, to last me, if I live another 40 years, I've had enough fighting in the first 40. I don't want to fight with anyone. Okay? I'm just saying kindly to you, if you want to fight with me, I don't want to fight with you. So I'm not going to. I'm going to do my best to live by the Spirit. Not to say I'm superior, but because, quite frankly, I've had relationships in my life that are fraught with those things. And you know what they are? They bring death to your life. And I don't, I've got 40 years lived on, left on this planet. I want those 40 years to be filled with righteousness and peace and joy and love and grace and kindness. Not about you. That's what I want. I'm sure you want the same thing. So can we learn to walk by the Spirit? <laughs> can we just learn to respond and say, Jesus, I want to hear your voice every moment of every day. Help me when I'm weak. Help me when I'm feeling stressed. That's, Helen knows me well. And when I start getting short-tempered with her, she says, you're stressed about something. What's the real problem? Have you ever noticed that? Or is it just me? <laughs> when I start getting picky with my family, it's normally because there's something else that's bothering me. And so then I take it out on my kids and my wife because I'm really stressed on the inside. And so she's been very helpful. God's, God's been very kind to give me a wife who says, actually, what's the real problem, Aunt? Something else bugging you. And I'm learning to get it now. It's taken a while. That's learning to hear the voice of the Spirit. So I want to encourage you. I'm not telling you how you should live. You are free. You are saved. You are free. But I am saying this to you, that if you sow to the flesh, there's one place you're going to reap from. It's the flesh. God will not be mocked. If you sow to the Spirit, you will reap from the Spirit. This is not, I'm not, I'm not trying to be, um, put fear into your life. I'm actually just trying to get you to see that's how the kingdom works. If we sow to peace, we reap peace. If we sow to joy, we will reap joy. That's how the Spirit works. The kingdom of God is right now. His righteousness, His peace, His joy in the Holy Spirit. And that's what we want to enjoy together. Amen? That's all I have to say to you today. Will you, will you, will you take that to heart and say, Jesus, help me this week that I can live in a way that shows others that you are real in my life and points people to you as I live. Amen? Can we pray? Let's just pray. And then we're going to have some ministry and coffee after that. Father, I want to thank you for the simplicity of your word, for the power of your word. Jesus, we thank you for all that you've done for us. We thank you that you are good to us in every way. We thank you that in your kingdom... We know righteousness, peace, and joy. And Father, I want to thank you that it's not just for eternity. It's not just one day in heaven we will know those things, that we can learn to live in those things more fully right now. And so I pray right now, Lord Jesus, for every one of us, you would help us to hear your voice. Every moment of every day that we'd learn to sow to the Spirit and not to the flesh that you'd help us to identify when we are sowing to the flesh, when we are giving in to those things that cause division and dissension and anger and break down our relationships rather than building them up. 
Father, that you'd help us to sow in righteousness, peace, and joy, that we might reap right now in our lives wonderful, fulfilling, happy relationships with you and with each other. Lord, that's our desire. Will you help us to walk by the Spirit? In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.